hostess of If These Walls Could Talk. Every wall I see in our modern built environment is simply an invitation. An invitation to bring more beauty, delight, and connection into our communities through mural art. Do you know of any bare walls that could use a transformation? Whether you're an artist or an art advocate, I hope my podcast will help you make your next project a huge success. I think we, we, we don't talk enough about continuing to learn and that that is such a reality and how satisfying that is. Um, I think we have this idea that people learn until they're 25 and then they just like do their job. And that's, I mean, that's sad if that is happens, but, but it's wonderful when that isn't what happens. You know, it's, it's very normal to continue getting better at things. I'm a much, I'm a much faster muralist than I was a long time ago. All right, thanks for joining me, Morgan Bricka, for another episode of If These Walls Could Talk. Today, my guest is artist and musician Alex Cook, based out of Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm very much interested in his series of You Are Love's Mural. So we're going to talk about that today, and we're also going to talk about his arc as an artist. I have so many questions for you, Alex. My first question that popped into my head was, you must have a lot of bricks that you have to deal with out in Boston. A lot of brick. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've painted on plenty of brick walls. Smooth ones, textured ones, all big ones, small ones, yep. Brick. How does that go? I mean, I'm out in California, it's mostly stucco. Oh, interesting. What do you do on, do you do on a brick wall? I, I guess I, I've worked so much on the East Coast that it, has, it feels very normal to me. There's a nice tooth to it. Oh. A picture reads in a particular way on a brick wall. You know, it has texture built into it in a way that can be great. The only way that it's bad is some brick walls, whether it's because the grout is receded or because the grout is sticking out a lot, have kind of a terrible texture where there's just lots of cracks in the wall. And that just makes the it just makes it a lot longer. So it's a lot more time consuming to work on a wall like that. But going way back, I mean, going back to the very beginning, I remember having an experience where I, I painted a mural on a cement wall that was very flush, very flat, after having worked on a brick wall. And the, the cement wall felt too easy. And it made me appreciate the, the texture, the tooth of, of uh, it's like working on a real nice paper, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you prime brick walls first? Well, it, it depends from project to project. I would say mostly I do, uh, but sometimes it's, if it's a thing that isn't going to last long, for example, I did a project a few years ago where I knew from the beginning that the building was going to be torn down in two years. So they asked okay. me to do something for this last, you know, for the last two years that this building was going to be around. And I said, hey, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to not prime the wall um, mm-hmm. and to let some of the original brick show through. So, you know, I, I don't get every, it's not every, every mural that I do that I get a chance to see how that works and to experiment with the texture of the wall just coming through. So, so I do mostly prime, but every once in a while there's an opportunity to do some experimenting. And when, when, when did you paint your first mural? I painted my first mural in September of 1997, Northampton, Massachusetts. It was, I painted three murals 
for my final project uh, as an art major at the University of Massachusetts. Wow. And how many murals do you paint a year now these days? I don't really keep track of that number, but I would say it's 10 and 20, 15 mm -hmm. and 20. Mm -hmm. And it looks like you're going all over the place. People are hearing yeah. about you and you're headed to mm -hmm. Portland, Oregon next week. Yeah. Yeah, the, the last five or six years, my mural practice has has grown from a regional one to a national one, which I love. You mentioned earlier that I'm a I'm a musician and I credit at least a portion of, of that growth with my, my music career. Between 2009 and 2013, I was traveling a ton for my music project and I made a lot of contacts around the country. And when those folks learned that I had also this other part of my career, that's when I started getting asked to go to go further afield. And one principle that I have noticed is, you know, the more I work, the more I work. You know? So if I if I get a job in in LA, then there's much more likelihood that I'm going to get more jobs in LA. And that is how it has happened. That's a good point. You know, it really testifies to just moving in the world in whatever form you can with your artwork and putting it out there. And that that also leads to both the honing of your own creative voice and building community around people that that resonates with. And it sounds like you, you've done that for 20 years. And now a lot of those seeds are blooming. Yes, I have to say, it's a whole lot easier to be an artist now, uh, 22 years into being a muralist, than it was in the first five years or first 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're really just, it, it's just exactly what you said, you know, planting seeds and now they are blooming. You know, there was mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of hard work early on. Uh, mm -hmm. to, I mean, in basically every aspect of knowing what to do and how to do it and who to talk to and how much to charge and every possible facet, as you, I'm sure, know. But it really has been very wonderful to see those seeds grow and this logical evolution of there simply being more work. And I'm better, you know, I'm also a better artist than I was then. Isn't that amazing how work will do that to you? It's yeah. like practice. It's paid practice, essentially. Every day I go to work, I'm getting paid practice. Yep. Yeah, I have to say, you know, these two decades into into doing this work professionally, I'm still amazed at what what practice does, you know? I think we 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 don't talk enough about continuing to learn and that that is such a reality and how satisfying that is. Um, I think we have this idea that people learn until they're 25 and then they just like do their job. And that's, I mean, that's sad if that is happens, but, but it's wonderful when that isn't what happens. You know, it's, it's very normal to continue getting better at things. I'm a much, I'm a much faster muralist than I was a long time ago. The first mural that I painted was 16 feet tall and 10 or 12 feet across. And it took me like, like 10 days to finish. That same mural would take me two and a half days to finish. Mm -hmm. The exact same thing. Um, mm -hmm. It's the same for me. In fact, I think my prices have stayed the same. I've just gotten faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to talk about one of the reasons I'm super interested in you and 
you know, it is practice and you have been doing it a long time, but you really have a unique voice in the mural art whole field because you are promoting a different kind of art in the culture through your art, which is very heart forward and openly loving, you know, very direct about that and embracing that. And I feel like art 20 years ago when I was growing up, it was, you know, modern art. It was an intellectual endeavor. And then street art very much had a, a cool culture. It was a lot about, if it wasn't overt tagging, it was also sort of marking territory, like branding yourself through art. It had a certain personal identity to it, which for yeah. me, for the public space, also felt like it felt short. And something I'm really interested is in the dialogue of that public space and how can we support a culture. And I feel like you're doing that for your art and I'm really um, so happy to see that. And I want to know about how you got the courage to sort of step out and start writing. So I'm just going to say in brief, what Alex does is he does these murals that say you are loved. And they've had a huge impact in schools, prisons, public spaces. They're really uh, all over the place at this point. And it's the, the, I want you to talk about the impact that you have seen. And also, but also when you initially started doing that, you know, stepping out into that, did that take courage? How did you feel about that? Tell me about that process. Yeah, this is like my favorite question. That impulse goes way back in my art practice before the You Are Loved project. It actually goes back to the very beginning of my mural practice. And yes, it took courage. The very first murals I did were sort of a formative step of what I do now. You know, it always seemed, art always seemed to me to be the sharing of my best ideas. And my best ideas happen to be about spirituality, intimacy, like feelings. From going way back, that's what I had to share. Didn't really have anything else to share. That's what I wanted so much to share. So from the beginning of putting an image in a public place, I had nothing else to give but like these sort of spiritual visions. And that felt scary, you know, because it's taking like this thing that most people keep very private and then saying, I'm just going to put it out there. So from the very beginning, there was a fight. You know, I, I found myself having to fight fear. But the cool thing was from the very first mural, I did have a big fight, but then the mural got made and it was adored. It was like such a success. And I fell in love with the mural making process because of that very first mural. And I thought, wow, you really can have an effect immediately. Like you can, people would stop, pull their cars over, clap as they're going by, yell at me. Like I was like amazed because my fear had been so enormous. But then when I pushed through it and did what, what I did, the outcome was universally positive. It resonated. It hit a nerve. Or it did. People were not scared or put off by it. They loved it. Yeah. Right, right. And so that sent me off on this trajectory of, okay, I'm going to continue to push against this 
fear that I feel in myself and also a tacit kind of assertion that I feel exists in culture of like, don't be intimate. Don't, don't share that stuff. I think that exists. It's out there. The cool thing you're talking about, you know, it's like put on a, a face, put on a mask, show everyone how great you are, tell everyone how great you are. And like, that doesn't feel good to me at all. But what does feel good to me is to share the really good things that I know about. And I think that's what you're talking about when you say that, that my mural work, uh, you know, has maybe a different aesthetic than, than many murals. And from the beginning, I felt that. I always wanted to take what I felt like was a fine art approach to mural making. I saw a lot of murals and I didn't like them. I didn't like kind of, or I felt like they just weren't as good as they could be. The sort of community murals at the beginning, long ago, 20 years ago, I had kind of a disdain for community murals because I was coming from this fine art perspective. I wanted it all to be about, you know, the image, the poetry, the, 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 the paint quality, you know, all this fine art stuff that I never have let go of, you know, that, that has been my love all along. And I quickly felt this tension between the fine art sensibility and the community art or street art sensibility. But my heart of hearts was always with fine art, with, with concentrating on expressing an idea, really an idea, which I felt like those other things were, were less strong on idea and more strong on community involvement or a political notion or whatever. So, it's not surprising because so many of your projects now work with volunteers. It's true. And it has been a big learning process for me. And, you know, like we were saying before, growing, practicing. I, I'm doing things now that I never dreamed that I would do, that I think I wasn't humble enough to do in previous years, or I didn't have the language to do or the skills. I think wow. I have some, some corners softened, you know. That's beautiful. You know, can we just pause right there and just, it's so heartening to know that we do get better with practice, with the, you know, the difficulties. So many artists out there are facing one difficulty after another. And it's like, that's it. That's the rich stuff. And that's how you get a little softer, figure it out, show up better, so you can mm-hmm. be of service better, so you can add more value. If there's all these obstacles to you being able to add value, you're difficult to work with, you're inflexible, you know, you're, you're not taking care of yourself or the client in some way. You know, all of those are just lessons to learn mm-hmm. so that, I mean, what you just said, I'm, I'm going to replay that. I'm going to replay that <laughs> twice in the podcast. I love that. You know, it's true. Like I, the things that you can do after 22 years is entirely different. Mm-hmm. And what you're capable of. Yeah, that, that particular thing of understanding the community piece was one of the biggest expansions of my understanding in my whole career. Like I said at the beginning, I had pretty much disdain for the concept of community. I mean, I really didn't understand it. And after I had been working in public for five, six, seven years, uh, you know, you end up having conversations with people. And I'm a friendly guy. I like to have those conversations. But I began to see, oh, these are real people. These are the people who are going to see my mural. These are the people. This is my opportunity. 
these are the ones. They're standing right in front of me. And so I began to really turn outward. I, it was like illuminated in my mind that making the picture is half, is half of my opportunity. The other half is really to turn on to the people and have the conversation be part of the art, you know, be loving, be answer the question. Don't act like someone's dumb if they don't understand art. Uh, I thought I can be this bridge. I can be this really friendly bridge person who can have a conversation with the homeless guy and then the person that works at the bank and then the woman who's walking by with her kids. And it really resonated with me that the reason why a person shares art is to touch somebody else. And I thought, these are the ones. You know, if I'm working on this particular street corner, these are the human hearts that I'm hoping I'm shooting myself in the foot if, I, if I'm a jerk to them. <laughs> and sometimes somebody interrupts you while you're working, it feels like an interruption. So I had to kind of practice, again, train myself to say, no, this whole thing is the art. They're not interrupting me. They're part of the art. This conversation is part of the art. And it's not forcing me to sacrifice poetry or color or good decision-making or aesthetics or anything. It's just forcing me to be more patient and expand my, my palette of the colors that I'm using. You know, now it's not just paint, now it's conversation and friendliness. Getting into the nitty gritty, uh, I've I've really struggled about how to include community in my art because I'm so picky and I get volunteers on the wall and they're dripping paint or they don't know how to fill it in and I feel like my role when I use when I engage volunteers is they love it it builds community I see the benefit and it takes more time and my role is categorically different than artists. I'm a little bit more of a, you know, camp counselor. Yeah. In essence, how do you, how do you occupy that role? How do you, what do you think about that? And when you do that, how do you guide the volunteers? How many you use? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, I want to begin by saying that at the beginning, when I began to do that, it was sometimes enormously painful. Like, I, I used to run a, a mural painting program for teenagers. I started this thing with a whole project for a few years. And I found myself painting those, you know, at those mural sites with those kids, like just wishing they would leave because I wanted to paint the mural. Like I, I, I was still a hundred percent tied to, I want to make this mural kick ass. I want to make it. I want to make the decisions. I want it to look how I want it to look. I, and I, I had like outwardly invested in something else, but inwardly I was completely invested in the yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, that's a nice distinction. And over that summer, I like very <laughs> ungently with myself forced myself to remind, to be aware that right now you're a teacher. You are not an artist. You have to, you're going to be miserable if you think you're an artist right now because you're not, you're a teacher. Like be accurate about how you are categorizing your activities. Don't, and I, and I, I knew that if I was gentle with myself on that, I was not going to do it. 
but I couldn't be gentle. I had to like be really forceful with myself. And, you know, over a long time, I think I've gotten good at knowing what my role is at any given time. Where now, fast forward 17 years, I think I'm pretty clear with myself and with my volunteers about what the roles are. And the community involvement piece is usually a single day in a multiple day process. And on that day, I'm a facilitator. And on every other day, I'm an artist. Nice. And is the cost the same to add that community volunteer day in um, for a project? If you do it all, or you hire volunteers? Yeah, it's the same. It, okay. it's, you know, it's just, it's just the amount of the amount of work. If it adds work, it's going to be more. Right. Because um, some people say, well, we'll paint it and then it'll cost less when people approach it like that. Would you say you've been a... Well, I don't... Uh, it doesn't make it less work. Yeah, it doesn't make it less work. Yeah, right. No, no, no. It, it, it's just another day of work. It sometimes makes it more work. There are some ways in which just getting it filled in is doing something that I would have to do. But you know, say say I lay out my design and we have our community painting day and the thing gets filled in and parts of it are messy and parts of it aren't and whatever. And and half the colors are wrong because on on the painting day I'm guessing about what to. And lots of my guesses are wrong, just like they are if I'm painting by myself. Sometimes I try something and it's not right, and I go over it. Another way that I've had to be really clear is, like, there is nothing personal about this. If I paint over your thing, which I'm going to, it's not because you did a bad job or whatever. It's because we're trying to make a beautiful work of art. So I'm very flexible and giving on the community painting day because you want people to have a fun time. I want people to feel and be respected. But once they're gone, my job is to make a work of art. It's not to keep something mm-hmm. around. Help, help their egos that, oh, you know, yeah. we don't touch over their work. Yeah. Yeah. That said. It was like the conductor saying, this is the beat. There it is. Exactly. But, yeah. but you know, once you have let other people work, there is their element in it. You know, I can't mm-hmm. pretend that it's not. I don't want it. You know, sometimes somebody will paint something in this weird way. And I'm like, I got to keep that because it's cool. Not because they painted it, but because it's beautiful in a weird way that's so different than how my hand would have done it. And how many volunteers might you take on in a day? What's, um, what's your ideal? It depends from project to project. You know, sometimes it's a huge wall with, with you know, volunteers from, from city year, and there's 150 people there. And it's a big project. Now, I'm the artist. There's lots of other facilitators and stuff. And that, that's like this, you know, one end of the spectrum. Another end of the spectrum is it's at a school, it's a smaller wall, and I have 10 to 12 kids coming every hour to help paint things. Thing. Alex, what is your vision for your artwork? Or what impact do you hope to have, you know, in this? in the future of my Well, my sense is that ideas are the currency we have to make an impact. And art is one way of sharing an idea. Um, when, when I look at my life, the things that have 
improved my life, healed my life, you know, they made my experience better. It's been that an important idea made its way into my understanding and changed my, the way that I look at the world or my understanding of myself or something. And my hope is that my pictures will, will do that, that they will contain some inspiration, some good feeling, some wonder or reverence, imagination or dream or something. And that that element will provide someone with an experience that they hadn't had before. Or will reinforce something that they that they hope is true. And then they <laughs> something in a mural and they go, Oh, that yes, I get it. Okay. I think a lot of people go through life kind of on the fence, like, is is life good or is life bad? Hoping that it's good and like like being excited when, when they see evidence that it is and, and getting depressed and sad if they if bad news comes along. And my art draws on the kind of deep wells that I feel that I've found of spiritual good. And I'm in my murals, I'm trying to take the beautiful things that I find in those wells and put them in a public place so that they can be discerned by others. Mm. And are you going to copyright your love so I can franchise it and paint a mural? <laughs> I'm jealous. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think everyone should, every community should have you are love. Well, maybe we'll collaborate one time. <laughs> I want to be a volunteer. I'll, I'll paint everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing you're building. Like, you can't go wrong. There's no ways to daze, you know, because it's all supporting really a beautiful idea out in the world. Mm-hmm. Like- you asked about about if, if being brave was part of it, and there was a new version of that, especially when I started the UR Love Project. It began at a, uh, an elementary school. I was working on a mural in an elementary school in New Orleans, and the principal of that school told me that they were wanting this work of art to help a project they were working on, which is help the students feel more safe at school. I thought, you know, what do you do? How do, we, how do you make a mural that helps children feel safe? And I was, you know, listening in myself for how can, how can you really do that, not just fake it? And that's when I had the first, the first time I had the idea of writing the words "You Are Loved" on the wall, mm. and we ended up doing that. And it felt like a big breakthrough to me. Like I realized that there's just I had been feeling this weight, this pall of like you have to kind of work around the issue. You can't say it. You can't go right at it. And when that idea came, "Stay, You Are Loved" on the wall, it was like it popped the balloon. It, it like broke through that wall that I hadn't known was there. Hmm. And that breakthrough felt amazing, you know, to, to feel, okay, I'm saying it. Now I've said it and I'm, whatever happens, happens. And if people think it's stupid, that's fine. And if, and if people think I'm embarrassing, that's fine. I'll be the one. I'll say it. <laughs> that, that felt great. 
But in the coming months, as I turned it from this one mural into a project that I was now kind of putting into the world and saying, I want to repeat this and do it again and again, I began to realize I really am taking on this gross thing that, that exists in our, in our mental culture that says, avoid this subject. Avoid being too intimate, you know, and it will mock you and it will, it will tell you you're a fool. Who do you think you are? You don't know me. How do you know I'm loved? Gross. Don't talk about those feelings. What are you, some kind of wimp talking about love? You know, just, just a thousand different mockeries from all different facets. So I began to discern that I'm really taking on that. Tell me about some of the anecdotes. Tell me an anecdote, because I know from what I've read and heard from you already that the complete opposite is happening. But this is really sparking in people. What you said earlier was something they didn't really quite know or was a seed in them, but they, you know, they're struggling against and it created an aha or created a shift for them. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the most pointed examples of what I was just talking about was very early on, the first year that I was doing the project, I offered my services for free to a prison here in Massachusetts. I happened to be on the email list of this prison volunteer email list, and they they say their monthly needs. And I happened to see that this particular prison wanted a mural. And I said, I'm your boy. (laughs) So I reached out to them and and said, I wanted to do this You Are Loved mural, and they agreed. But when when I got there, you know, it feels very different in a prison than it does virtually anywhere else. And this happened to be a prison for like half mental hospital, half prison. So it's like a dark place. You know, there's a lot of suffering happening in that place. Independent of of whatever criminal activity, there are just people suffering with mental illnesses. And, you know, it's it's just like as dark a place as you can find. And as I began to set up my supplies and sort of was getting ready to work on the wall, I became aware of the guards, of the officers who were there, you know, and their big guys with their uniforms and stuff. And the voice that was going on in my head was, really, really, who do you think you are? Coming into this, like, very hard location, and I'm speculating that these officers who are there, you know, every day dealing with just who knows what, and that I'm this, like, long-haired artist who's going to come in and tell everyone that they're loved in the face of, like, so much evidence that's the opposite of love, that's just suffering. And I began to feel really nervous. Like, like very afraid that they were just going to laugh at me or just disdain me that, or even that I just was so stupid. And I was like looking around to see these guys and they're checking me out too. You know, what's he doing? <laughs> and the crucial thing, the crucial moment 
and this often happens. This, this happens to me in my in my art career, you know, every so often, where like the fear is big and you don't know what to do. And I thought I just got down to brass tacks inside myself. Like, do you believe this is true? You know, are these men loved? Is every single individual in this space, whether that person has murdered someone or is suffering with a mental illness or is an officer who's grouchy and wondering or, or, or skeptical about the nature of this project? Is every one of these people loved? And I, I was like, well, yeah, they are. <laughs> there was no uncertainty about that. And so it was just another moment of stepping further into it of like, well, whatever happens, this is still true. So I kind of don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part about brass tacks is like you found your, you found your yeah. ground yeah. and you just stand in it. And it's like being, you just go up from there. Yeah. 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 So I kind of like each time it feels a little bit more like, like, Jumping off a cliff. That's, that's the metaphor that I think of all the time. Okay, I'm just going to jump off the cliff again. And that's, you know, that's kind of what being an artist or a spiritual, spiritual person is well, Did about. you get a, a sense of the reaction after it was done? What was there Yes, any... they loved it. They were so into it. Even the guards? Yes. <laughs> yes. I had really nice relationships with the guards. You know, I was there for several days and, and it became friendly. The first day they were skeptical about me, or at least they seemed skeptical about the project and but you know as the days went on everything was warm the project was really nice lots of good conversations between the inmates lots of good conversations with the with the guards and it also ties into a point that you made earlier about how everybody you, you don't know who the artwork is for but it's pretty much mm -hmm. everybody that's coming into consciousness and when i do school i'm often painting for the teachers they need the yep. psychological boost as much as anybody else. And the parents who drop their kids off at that kindergarten, that they right. feel that their kids are going to be safe and loved. So that's helpful. And I actually did a project at a, a juvenile hall, and I involved a group of seven kids to help me paint it. And actually, what I saw was the people who were, who coordinated it, who hired me, who, you know, picked the kids, that it, it, was so life affirming for them to see the kids light up in the process, to see that beautification was possible where they worked. So even though they weren't involved in painting it and they weren't involved in, you know, they just hired me. It was actually also, they, they loved, they wanted to know that they were making a difference in the world and they were in a hard environment. And it was yeah. also for them. Yeah. To, to I see that, that with, with the, with the You Are Love project all the time where I see that a portion of the service that I'm providing is a vehicle for people to say what they already need. You know, so if somebody sponsors the You Are Love mural, the thing that they're buying is the ability to say something that they want to say, to speak to their community, to speak to the children at a school or whatever. They're buying my ability to communicate on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And that's so beautiful. You mentioned next week you're going to be in Portland at a joint. It, one of the sponsors is a toy store, which is why people go buy toys. It's a symbol of you are loved. You know, yeah. they give their toys to their grandchildren or their children, and they want them to know they're loved. And the toy is a vehicle. <laughs> mm 
for that. And it's amazing that, you know, Toy Story went, you are love on the outside and how powerful that is. Mm -hmm. Alex, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy and beautiful life that you're building in Boston to speak with me about this project. And I just would love to, my dream is that in five years, there's just everybody who's listening to this has seen a Your Love mural. I'm going to include Alex's um, yourlove.com in the, that's, that's the yourloveedmurals.com and links to your other work and your music. And um, I'd love to hear from you again in a few years and hear that it's, it's international. There's franchises everywhere. <laughs> yep. Right now, as of so the You Are Loved project will have its sixth birthday this January. And right now, there are 65 You Are Loved murals in 12 states and two countries. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for what you do, Alex. It's my pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Morgan, your hostess of If These Walls Could Talk. If you ever need a mural, I hope you know who to call. Visit my portfolio at morganmurals.com. And thank you for believing in the power of public art, of the power of mural art, and for being fellow journeyers on this path with me. Take care. Bye-bye.